Welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast. My name is Sam Brodbeck, and today we're going to be talking about some of the ideas being discussed in the Financial Advice Market Review. Joining us, we've got Carlton Hood from On Mutual Wealth. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> James Daly from Fairer Finance. Say hello. Hello. So I think one of the most contentious things that's come up so far, which we covered in one of our recent uh, covers, uh, was a potential return to some kind of commission uh, to bridge the advice gap. Carlton, what do you think about that? It's a scary word, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, it's become kind of the, the C word. And as soon as you mention commission, it's a really bad thing. Um, I think you have to put it into the context of what the Pharma Review is trying to achieve. So, so one of its primary focuses was to say, if you've got a group of people with less than £50,000 to save, um, they're quite unlikely to want to pay the kind of fees that advisors are charging in the market today. Um, so how do they access advice? Right, so they can go to um, uh, some of the government-provided services. There's some robo-advisors emerging, which may in time fill that gap. But actually, uh, a conversation with a human being is what a lot of them want. So what we thought about in our proposals was, was there a way for providers to fund the advice, which wasn't the old commission, which was actually more of a flat fee. There was no competition between products, but it allowed people to access human contact and the right kind of guidance that they needed. James? I mean, I you know, of course, I agree with the, the the ultimate aim that the review is trying to get to. We do want more people to get advice, and more people do want advice. Uh, but I think it's bogus to think the only way to get there is for providers to, uh, you know, start paying commissions, start payments back to the advice market again. If you think about it, uh, this is just a matter of transparency. The cost is going to be in there somewhere. Uh, and if the provider isn't paying it, then hopefully they take that out of their fees and then it's up to the advisor to charge it. Uh, and then it's a matter of how the customer pays it. I, I think that advisor charging is the compromise uh, that, that moves us in the right direction there. It removes the, the incentives that have driven bad behaviour in, in the industry before, uh, but it provides that transparency. I, I, I just can't understand why we'd want to go back to a world where people are being incentivised um, effectively by the provider to sell products again. It, it's that relationship where the advisor is deciding that they're going to choose product X because they are paid X pounds by that provider that creates all the wrong outcomes for consumers. Right. But I suppose what we're trying to overcome here is two things. Right? We're trying to overcome inertia and, and economics. Now, the inertia is the inertia of, of, of a client you know, potentially actually making that first move and going to seek advice. It's very easy not to. We know when there were people in the market that, that were actually selling these kind of products, they reached out and, and more people were contacted. And the market of advisors has shrunk and now there's a kind of, in a sense, more demand than there is supply. So we're trying to fill that gap. The second is the economics. You know, whilst it might be sensible to pay for advice and you can actually rationally demonstrate it, consumers find it hard to pay that upfront money out of their pocket. So they're looking for a way to spread it. Now the providers have the economic means to spread it. I think what we have to do though is avoid the evils of commission. What was bad about commission? Well the first thing was that it differed between products. So advisors had an incentive to choose provider A or provider B. The proposals here, in their very, very early stages, would take that away, flat fee. It also wouldn't vary potentially according to the investment choice. So if you're taking a cash ISA or an ISA with investment, same fee. So it's simply a way really for providers to, sub to subsidise advice 
can reach um, a broader range of clients. So flat fee removing bias. Yeah, removing bias. So, yeah. so you could be selling anybody's product same fee. And it would be limited to a small range of basic products with, with, with not very much risk around. We're talking basic ISA, basic pension. We're not talking, and they'd be kite marked products that had this level of kind of foundation financial planning. This is not commission on all products. So, so the problem then is that you've got a tiered system where different types of products are paying different um, remuneration styles for the advisors that are selling them. Uh, and I think you know, th then you do have that problem where an advisor might be tempted to more tempted to go down one route because it's more attractive than another route. If you scrap all of that and say there is a cost of advice, the consumer has to bear it somehow, if they don't want to pay it up front, then it can feel like commission through the advisor charging route and will be taken out over a number of years. I, I think that works perfectly well. Uh, we, we've only just, we've fought years to get to the point where we got rid of commission. Uh, we've just had the RDR and we're three years into this experiment uh, and now we're scrapping it. Uh, you know, I, I quite agree. We need to find ways of, of getting uh, help to more consumers. Mm. But but I think that we're going about it entirely the wrong way with this idea. How about thinking about more advice in the workplace, working with employers and trying to you know, engage consumers at different stages in their life journey? It, this is not about the remuneration. I, I, I get the feeling that the providers and advisors who are involved in this review have seen this as an opportunity to get commission back on the table because it may end up being more lucrative for them uh, and it's not the consumer's interest that are at the heart of this idea. So I think there are, there are two things that I really like to take issue in with what you said. The first is that it's working. So I speak to advisors every day who now have minimum limits of £150,000 in investable assets because that's the economics of their practice and to charge a 1% fee or a 75 a VIPs fee on anything less than that isn't worth the time they're going to put into it. So there is a gap for face-to-face -face advice. And where I do agree with you is it can be filled in multiple ways. We've spoken about robo-advice, banks are coming back in, is that good, is that bad, we can have a debate about that, um, and, and workplaces and other. There are ways to reach people. But I also think there is a place for this foundation financial planning tier. And I'm not looking for a return to commission to all products, I'm looking for a very limited set of quite simple products to which this would apply. And it would create, yes, this new tier of advisor, but they'd be focused on serving the needs of this market who probably need it most. At the moment, the IFA is becoming the privilege of the wealthy. So they're getting all of that guidance, all the benefit of that, and they're not necessarily the section of the community that needs it most. Now, is this a way of providers making more money? No, providers here will be taking more risk, because we're also proposing there's no clawback, so we'll be paying these fees. You wouldn't be able to claw it back if somebody actually um, dropped out of of making their contributions to that product. So actually, we'd be kind of subsidizing and insuring the risk. And we've got a lot of work to do to understand whether it's affordable for us to offer this solution. Is there uh, a risk of, um, in your proposal of the consumer, I guess, not understanding or seeing advice as free or cheaper than it actually is? Is that an issue? And you'd have to have it very clearly um, declared mm -hmm. that there was a fee going from the provider to the advisor to subsidize that advice. And you'd also have to, I mean, I think this comes hand in hand with the creation of, and I would call it kind of foundation financial planning. So it's saying you can access foundation financial planning, which will cover these kind of issues and offer you these simple set of card mark products and there's a fee from the provider. If you want anything more than that, you need to go to full financial planning and that's the system we have today. I think if we're talking about people with basic needs, I'm much more comfortable with this sort of robo advice model. Uh, I think that, you know, their needs will be fairly simple 
and should be able to be dealt with by you know some kind of decision tree process which could be implemented by um, you know somebody at the money advice service or the pensions advisory service or pension wise or anywhere else I, I don't see why we have to we have to try and get more remuneration into the system there uh, and there are you know there are advisors out there at the moment that maintain they can make the numbers work face to face um, with the system as it is at the moment, you know, of course there are going to be people out there that, that have these limits, one hundred and fifty thousand pounds of assets. Um, but you know, they're dealing in an entirely different market. Um, you know, this is the mass market; uh, it's higher risk, but and, and it's much harder to get it to work. But we're starting to see some solutions emerge now. Uh, and I think we're jumping the gun here. You might be comfortable with robo advice, but not everybody is. I mean, I'm sure it will be a solution. We've seen in the US that that has grown and it's serving a segment of the population, but it isn't right for everybody. A lot of people are not comfortable doing all of that online. It is quite a long process. It can be a robo face-to-face advice. I it, mean, ultimately, it, you can, you can still go and have your pension-wise appointment and they can be you know, giving you the robo advice. It's also, interestingly, of course, funded by the provider. <laughs> somebody pays for the provision of that service. So this well, money it doesn't have to be, does it? Well, somebody has to build the website and, and, and keep it running and then they advertise to get people in. Now, this is still the, the providers putting in money to, to provide an advice service. I mean, I'm not sure that it's entirely different. Well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you know, the government can be involved in helping support the builder you know, platforms. It's true we could move to a you know state-sponsored system of robo advice only, and, but I mean I'm not sure is that what you're proposing that we take the private sector out entirely. I, I don't not that we not that we take them out entirely, but for people with fairly basic needs who are at high risk of making the wrong decision with what to the industry is a small amount of asset, but to them is a large amount of asset. Um, we need simple solutions that that are fairly safe for them. Um, and you know, yes, I, I'm quite comfortable with the government having a big hand in in guiding those outcomes. Uh, okay, let me let me let me jump in here. Let's go on to a, I guess a related point. Um, you talked about robo advice just then. Um, there's also been proposed a kind of new layer of advice or a new level, so a sort of more basic one, mm. um, where you could have you have less regulatory burden, I suppose. Um, is that one of the ways to go, or does that sort of muddy things? even further? Well, I think this goes hand in hand. I think you know, from a customer's perspective, the word advice, goodness me, has become a real problem, hasn't it? I mean, because the way the customer views advice, it covers a, a multitude of stuff. You know, it has a normal meaning. Then we put this regulatory kind of meaning around it. Um, and then we talk about different tiers of advice and simplified advice. And I, I think it's nonsense. I, I personally like to throw the advice word out of the window and come up with some better things. Uh, I like to talk about full financial planning and foundation financial planning. And what I'd be talking about here, this is hand in hand with the provider paying for advice for the foundation financial planning layer. So there's some very simple needs that you can address in a structured way. It's got kite marked kind of guidance around it. Okay, and the products are kite marked and it's a small universe. And then if you go beyond that, you go into full financial advice. I, I think creating that layer could massively extend face-to-face advice in this market. And without it, it'd be difficult to do. So would it be different qualifications for the ba- more basic one you wouldn't have to be? Maybe a more basic qualification, uh-huh. level, maybe not a level four level qualification, maybe a level three. But I mean, this is like at super early stages. You know, we're kind of speculating now on exactly how it would work. I don't know exactly how it would work. I, I do have a vision of, 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 of something that we could create that would reach more consumers with valuable advice that they need. I'm not actually uh, opposed to the idea of a lower tier of qualification 
but for me it's about what advice they're giving and I wouldn't really want them to have any discretion um, you know I think we we've already got people at citizens advice pension wise uh, money advice service who could effectively deliver that advice if it was all structured for them mm. uh, and, and like I say we're working from you know effectively a complicated decision tree where the power of the individual advisor to guide somebody to do the wrong decision is, is effectively negligible and 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 that seems a sensible way to keep costs down but but I don't see a great distinction between that and sort of the robo advice that we were talking about a few minutes ago. So terms of, but it just sounds like what we're talking about is whether in that case the government funds that or in my case with the provider fee the, the provider is funding it with the, with the provision of that service it feels like we're well, agreeing I'd, I'd rather that, that, that service exists. Providers are not paying advisors I'd rather the advisors are saying to their customers we are giving you a service here there is a cost to it this is how much that is uh, and we will take that from your premiums or whatever it might be over the next few years uh, and it's completely transparent and there's no incentive created for advisors to go down one route or another route because this one's better for them financially than that one. If it's a standard fee transparently disclosed I don't think there's an incentive to go down route A or route B. Well no but of course there is that option versus something else entirely so they might say oh well you know actually we're going to push you down uh, a completely different set of advice because that's going to be uh, we're going to push you down this channel because that's lucrative and easy for us when actually for your circumstances you would have been better uh, to have a slightly more complicated mm. set of advice over here I, I, that, I, I think you, you start to have different channels competing against each other there and I think that's the concern well, I'm going to jump in there because I think we are running out of time so do you want to wrap up very sure. quickly Okay. My, my, my most important thing I think to say is that I do not see this, I do not accept this as a return to commission. I know Sam that gets the headlines, but it isn't a return to commission. It's learning about the commission, what was bad from it, and it's actually trying to say there was something good which that if the providers are able to fund advice, we can make it, make it accessible to more people who need it. Okay, James? Um, I guess I just want to remind everybody that just about every financial services mis-selling scandal that we've had over the last 20 years uh, was down to poor incentivization uh, and any return to the, the kind of commission systems that we had back then um, will in my view lead us back however quickly to a world where people start to have bad outcomes and end up with the wrong products and advisors start taking decisions that are in their best financial interest rather than their customers. I, I don't think providers need to pay for the advice, I think that we need transparency here ultimately the customer has to pay for it it's them who will benefit from it uh, and that needs to be clear and, and then all we need to argue about is the mechanism through which they pay for it so okay no no we know that's no you're not, not allowed any more Carlton. all right so i think we're going to hear a lot more about the c word probably the next 12 months um so i'm just going to say thank you james thank you carlton thank you for listening